Welcome to B2B Weekly. Every Wednesday, Marty Sanchez and I, Nemanja Živković, will be your host in a weekly Q&A where we talk all B2B related things. From sales, demand generation, social media, personal branding, lead generation, we focus on real examples, on real case studies, and we share things we only share with our team. So you get to see the way we grow our companies, the way we do marketing for our clients, you get to see everything. And not only that, you get a chance to jump on the call with us, ask questions live and share your perspective on the topic. If you are an executive, marketeer or salesperson, this is for you. Welcome to the B2B Weekly.
Yo, yo. Man, yeah, what's good, my man? Oh, wait a second. Okay, you're good. Just, 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 just give me a minute. B, can you hear me now? Yep. Yes, sir. Great. Awesome, brother. How's everything? Uh, to, to be honest, no idea. I'm like the torn apart <laughs> basically doing so many different things today that how come no idea what's what's going on i mean there's so many things like some clients who were very demanding some projects that needed to be managed some other clients got uh, like published in forbes and other news so we needed to communicate that and like just just a lot of things like my girlfriend bought some pillows so i have to go and pick them i did i had no idea that she's gonna do that <laughs> jesus christ that's like the word bad timing bad timing for that you, you know what's funny that every company looks as successful from the outside but you never know what's like actually happening like within closed doors you know like yeah um like we I look at our competitors, I look at other companies, and I'm like, why don't we have our things figured out like they do? I'm like, why are we behind? Why are we scrambling? Uh, why am I not good enough as a CEO to like figure things out and be as good as them? And then you get a look inside them, and you're like, they're having the same issues. Everybody is, right? Like everybody is having some. So no company is a hundred percent perfect. So that kind of like brings you back to like, okay, well, at least I know that I'm not the only one going through it. Like there's other people that are, you know, having the same thoughts that, that I have and at night they're worried like I am and all that. So it, it, it's, that's why I think it's important to like share content and talk to other people and build those relationships because then you start feeling more related to other people, right? Like you, you get, you, you empathize with them, they empathize with you. Uh, and as a CEO, it's hard to find people who get you and who know what's happening. So talking to others like, like yourself and um, like the community of agency owners that I'm in, like it, it's a good feeling to, to have a community around you. Yeah, I mean, I've been struggling this last two weeks just with a, with a feeling that I have so many things to do. Right. And actually, I don't. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just the pressure that I'm putting on myself because I used to doing so, so many things at once. And now I'm just learning not to delegate because I'm delegating, uh, but just to like, this, these things needs to do in a, in a week, not in a day. Right. That's, that's the problem that I'm trying to figure out. But I think I will get there. Yeah, but I think people like us struggle with that, like very often, right? Like we, we put a lot of pressure in ourselves, which is what eventually makes us, or hopefully makes us great at one point or another in the future. But it, it, it's hard to enjoy the, the day to day, right? Like, um, do, do you still deal with imposter syndrome? Like, do you still deal with like, maybe I'm not 
as good as um, I, I thought I was or or am I good enough? Like, do, do you still deal with that? No, not definitely. I mean, if you look at my LinkedIn post in the last like three days, I think it's obvious that I just started like with no hesitation to share everything. And uh, just like those are the things that are really working. I'm seeing that they are working. So it's obvious that, that I know what I'm doing. So let's go ahead and, and share it. And that's it. And I've been talking to a lot of people, a lot of different people and uh, new people that I didn't talk to before. And they, I just got connected to them recently. And basically they are seeing some things that I'm maybe not seeing from my perspective. I'm not objective. Like um, how the guys from my team are commenting on other people's posts, how they yep. are uh, creating posts, those kind of things. And when you get feedback from somebody from, from outside, then okay, it's obvious that some things are, are working. So let's go ahead and just just share. I'm, uh, I'm trying to uh, maybe a little bit I'm having this imposter syndrome when it comes to like the same things. Which, maybe? No, actually, I'm, I'm now in a role of a project uh, manager of, uh, of another company. Okay. Just for a, for a like three months project just to help them out. And yeah, doing so many things differently than I am, complicating so many things. And now I need to like uh, process everything in a week and try to simplify it step by step and right. while doing that like it's like i'm running another company in my company we have like 11 clients and it's okay but just this one it it it, it looks like i'm having another 11. right do you think that's worth it for you like uh it, it, like do you think that project is is to be to be honest, I'm 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 thinking about it. Uh, these days, we'll see. I mean, it's it's something that's uh, short term. It can be a lot in comparison, right? But um, but we'll see what's what's gonna happen. Right. It, it's I think um, imposter syndrome um, is a big thing, at least for myself. Like like I know how good I am and how good my team is. I know that sounds cocky, but like, I know like what we do drives actual results. Um, but I, I do have it on, on like the CEO role. Like, um, like sometimes I'm like, I'm not supposed to be here. And maybe it's because of like my age or, you know, like, um, like not being from like New York or all these cities, like being far away. Um, and like my, my, friends are like playing basketball and they're like 24 or 25 and and like they're working like 600 500 euro jobs let's like as receptionist and all that so it's hard for me to like sometimes feel that i deserve to be here but it's something that i'm still dealing with um on a day-to-day -day basis and, and hopefully like improving but uh, you know like especially as the business grows that kind of like even maximizes like we just signed a couple of clients. I'm like, holy fuck, like this is actually getting like a big deal, you know? So it's just interesting to see like the mental side of people in marketing, people in sales and entrepreneurs, I think it's very important and something that nobody really talks about, but I think it's very, it's crucial. Yeah. I mean, yesterday I was having a call with a, 
let's say potential client. She's not a client yet, but uh, basically she's reading all my posts in details mm-hmm. and she really gives, gives a feedback like, now is this really me, you know, when she's talking about, cause like you, you talk, you were talking about this in the, that way. You were talking about this in that way. Cause like she's a, a lady who's been uh, in charge of the communication of Nestle yeah. for, for 20 years. And she knows what she's talking about. Right. So I was like, okay. Right. Because you're killing it lately on LinkedIn. I, I, I saw the post that you tagged me on yesterday, I think it was, or two days ago. Um, and, and I kind of wanted you to like run us through it. Um, that, that way you also have the video content of, of like what you're doing on LinkedIn. Basically, you, you talk about like your success over the last, I believe it was like three to six months on LinkedIn, like what's working um, to achieve that, right? So I thought it would be interesting if you can share that with us um, and you can expand on a few things on a video based more than uh, what you could on a LinkedIn post. So, so would you be open to that? Would you be open to sharing us with us the yeah, process? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, basically, uh, I didn't connect with anybody that I'm sending connection requests in like, seven to 10 days. So uh, before that post, I, I took two days and just like connected with, uh, with some people. And basically I said, okay, so uh, the last time I, I shared some results when it comes to like followers on LinkedIn was a month ago when I was able to, to gain like three, 3,500 followers and now I have uh, even more and so let's let's break it down but what's the most important for me is how many people are viewing the profile because that's the number that is not growing fast it's going really slow and but it can go down really fast it all depends if your uh, it gets down if your content is not good not based on anything else that's at least how I see it and since it's been uh, pretty steady going up, I know that I'm, that I'm doing the, the right thing. And I saw a couple of people like um, Logan Lyles from the Sweetfish Media and some others like talking about getting to, to 10,000 followers, getting to, uh, to 10,000 views uh, on their profile. So like, man, I'm there. Like, let's, let's go ahead and, and share it. And... Basically, uh, what has been uh, a game changer is who am I connecting with? That's the only thing, basically. Because uh, I'm connecting with people who are active on um, LinkedIn already. So engage with posts. And uh, like... Sorry to interrupt there, but mm-hmm. that's one of the follow-up questions I want to ask. You talk about to grow your LinkedIn audience, connect with people who are already engaging. What, what do you mean by that? Engaging on your post or engaging in people's posts who have a similar audience? From a tactical standpoint, how does that look like? Yeah. Uh, look, so I want to go uh, after people who are my target audience and I want to go and connect with people who are my colleagues and who are after the same target audience as I am. So those are like the, the target 
people that I want to connect with. And I find in, in those uh, target groups, I find people who have uh, a huge um, engagement on their posts. So who are, I, you, uh, who are you going after, for example? Who are the, if, if those people I don't are know. Whales, I mean, if, yeah, let's say, let's say, look, it can be like Dave Gerhard. Okay. It can be, it can be Chris Walker. It can be, uh, I don't know, uh, Jake Dunlop. So big people sales. in content and sales and demand gen, right? Yeah. And uh, look, like these people are reacting to their posts because they are talking the same things that I am. Just yep. from their perspective. So they will, they will be engaged with my post also because I'm not trying to copy them. I'm uh, creating content. Uh, how do I see it from my perspective? Sharing a lot of like insights and uh, my stories. So uh, it's genuine content and they will react to it. Basically, that's the only thing that's there. How do I know it? Because in the last 10 days, 80% of my posts were my posts from eight months to a year. So I was tr trying to see if, uh, if those posts will get the, the bigger uh, engagement, the bigger reaction and uh, really see what's going on. And you have seen the results basically. Couple follow-up questions. Because I want to get very tactical here because I think this is really important for, for our listeners and for people who want to grow their LinkedIn audience. Um, excuse me. How many of them, do you do it on a daily basis? How many people do you connect with? What does that message look like? Can you give us, can you break us down like the specific tactics? Yeah, basically uh, it all depends how much time do I have. But I usually do it while I lay on the sofa, just relax from the, from the job and connect with, with some people. Uh, I get that audience by connecting with them or by commenting on the people that I mentioned on their posts. So uh, by doing two of those things, I'm not sending messages to anybody at, at this moment. So I'm just sending a connection request. And I'm doing that because I'm getting a lot of followers, but those followers aren't the quality connections. Uh, very little of them are, are people who, like I would set a connection request. So uh, I'm sending connection requests to those that I, that I think have uh, things to share, have experience, can talk about different things. I don't care if they have like, 300 connections or they have like 2000. I just want them to be active. That's, that's it. And then like we get, when they connect with me, some of them are sending me messages, some of them aren't, but they check two or three of my posts. I see that they are liking them. And then comes the message, man, I really love your post. I'm, I'm new to your, uh, in your connections, but I really like what you're doing or uh, I don't know, they saw the specific post and they want to connect with me and that gains another traction of people who are seeing their connections react on my post. So they are sending me messages like, I saw that my friend comment on your post, I wanna connect with somebody who is sharing insights, those kind of things. So I, I think this is super valuable, but let's get even more tactical. Let's say I'm uh, Chris Walker, right? Who's a big, for, if you're, listening and you don't know he's a big demand gen um, influencer kind of in the industry 
he runs Refine Labs, a company uh, doing demand gen for, I think, SaaS companies as well. So let, let's say I'm him and I make a post. And then on that post, people like it and people comment. Do you connect with people that comment? Do you, com- do you connect with people that like it? What's your process on like selecting who you send a connection request to? I go over the people who reacted to the post. Usually there are not that many comments. It all depends. Uh, but all those people that have commented, they also like the post. So I just go over there and I see what's, what's the role, where are they from, not going into details, just looking at some of those things. If they have like the optimized profile, they know what they are talking about. That's it. And, and give me a ballpark of how many. So I, I know it depends on how much time you yeah, have. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. Are we doing I didn't, 10 a day uh, or are we doing 100 a day? Yeah, it can, be, it can be up to the limit or it can be just 10. Okay. It all depends. Like the limit is, I don't know how many, but from 120 to 150 okay. sometimes. I don't know, something, something like that. And um, basically you need to add new people to your content stream. Yeah. I, I call it usually a content hub on, on LinkedIn because you, you need new people to actually uh, amplify the, the reach of your content. That's, that's why I'm doing it, not to gain like followers or connections or anything, uh, just to get that. I mean, I don't accept every connection request. Yeah, just me neither. To, to say that. So let's go into that. What, um, should people accept all connection requests? Should they not? Um, they're trying to build an audience, but sometimes it can be counterintuitive. What are your like, parameters or standards for you to accept a connection request? And what should other people be thinking about when they're thinking about growing their LinkedIn audience and keeping it? Yeah, for, mm-hmm. First thing that I look, if, uh, if somebody sends me a connection request, if, if they're sending me the message, because usually this is where they made the mistake, make a mistake and share some, I don't know, some things that have no sense at all. And this is how I eliminate some of them. Like, um, I'm the hunter, I'm playing chess, what's your next move? I really got that message. Uh, and um, that's, that's one thing. Other thing is, uh, I don't know if that's um, okay or not. I'm still having a hesitation when I'm connecting with people who are like from, uh, from India, from Pakistan, from those kind of countries, because there are a lot of spammers over there. And usually in most cases, when I connect with them, like, the, I get the immediate message of trying to, to sell me something. Usually is the leads. Usually I'm the freelancer. I'm working with other companies. I have leads to, to sell to you. Um, and so that's one thing. But let's say there's, there's a guy, I guess you know him, Yam on LinkedIn from India. He has a podcast also connected to the B2B. Um, he mentioned me in a couple of posts. And after he did that, uh, like eight to 10 people sent me connection requests from India. And I accepted them because I know where they're coming from. Right. And uh, that's it. The other thing is uh, I look at the headline because you can see it when somebody sends you a connection request, like if there's something written there just based on that. And basically it takes like three seconds to decide if I'm going to connect with somebody or not. That's, that's how long it takes, even less. Got it. 
Yeah, I think that's some good parameters. I, I use a very similar strategy as you do. I think I've met some very interesting people from India. So I would not say those countries are uh, right away, no. But I do agree that there's a lot of spam coming um, on, on that end from there. And it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a huge country, man. So there are a lot of people over there who know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, a while back, you mentioned that you were focusing more like you were going all in on LinkedIn. Um, is Twitter not a platform that you're uh, investing time in right now to create content? Or do you think you just prioritize LinkedIn and Twitter is now falling yeah, in mean, second place I mean, behind it? I'm investing my time to talk about MBA in Serbian. <laughs> <laughs> so, so priorities, right? Like that's the most important thing. Yeah, yeah. look, man, like uh, uh, for me, it is a priority because I sleep like five hours a day uh, now when the playoffs is on. So yeah. uh, I, I Did you watch Miami watch... yesterday? It was a good game. Uh, yeah, I yeah, watched like... Miami. Uh, I watched also uh, last night Denver, and before that, I watched Toronto yeah. and Boston. So yeah, but um, anyway, like on Twitter, for me, it's a little bit difficult because uh, there are a lot of people in Serbia who are active on on Twitter on many different topics and occasions. Right, and. So sometimes I, I tweet in English, sometimes I tweet in, in Serbian, and I tweet a lot of, about a lot of different things. So when somebody follows me over there because like I share the blog post with a hashtag or something like that, like in three days, they're like, what the fuck, who is this guy? What is he talking about? Right. And so I just eliminated him. But uh, we use Twitter for some of the clients. And to be honest, it's not getting us much because... Uh, I mean, it would gain us something if it was like solopreneurs or somebody who is strong on their like personal brand yep. and has some things to, to share. And I mean, basically, I look at Twitter as a platform where people are uh, measuring who got the bigger one, you know? Yeah. So in most cases, like who has the bigger company, who has the best strategy, like those kind of posts are uh, those that are like over there daily and I like it because I learn a lot from it but I don't see that I will get like customers out of it right it's been a very different experience for me for me it used to be LinkedIn would generate like 80% of our leads Twitter 20% I'd say right now it's like 50-50 uh, Twitter um, has been a great platform for us I think we have this growth hack there, which I'm not very proud of, but to be fair, it's been working really, really well, which is we have a follow and follow where you can mm -hmm. like target certain keywords in their bio. Yeah, 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 I know. So it, like you target the person that you want to follow their, their, his audience. And then within that, you can find a keyword, right? So we've been targeting CEOs, angel investors, VCs, like very specific keywords and adding them, like following them, a lot of them follow back. And, and to be fair, it's not great for engagement because it, it, it doesn't allow you to like um, have amazing engagement, which is 100% true, but it's great for people to check out what you're doing and, and check out your profile. And because my bio and pinned tweet is very well optimized, we've generated a lot of business of people like, um, 
seeing our profile, having an immediate need, and then reaching out. Uh, so uh, something that people are not doing much is creating video content there. So video content has been very effective on Twitter um, because it, it not only brings in new leads, which it has, and it's been great, but and stays top of mind over time until we nurture and, and we bring them in. But it's also been very effective because a lot of our clients are on Twitter. So we keep on building the trust and equity after they've already signed. Like the, I think a lot of people stop marketing to people once they sign the DocuSign contract, but you still have to market them. Like you still have to create content to stay top of mind and, and to build that trust and to keep them like in love with you, right? So like, for example, yesterday we, we posted a tweet of a client who has been working with us for a couple of months. He saw a tweet that I posted, replied, and we upsold them on a like higher end contract, right? So we market to people who are already clients. Excuse me. And, and that's been working really well for us um, on Twitter, LinkedIn, but specifically on Twitter. I think there's a very untapped platform. Yeah, it is. I mean, those target groups that you mentioned, I'm seeing them all over the, the Twitter, so they are there. I mean, back in the days, I used Twitter to like connect with people on LinkedIn and really, uh, but get closer to them on Twitter. Because like, there was a guy who was like um, fishing. Yep. He loved fishing, so we connected over that. I had no idea about fishing, but I, I did my research. Right, so yeah, we, we, So we got into conversation about that and that's how I closed him. Uh, so yeah, you can see some, uh, some things that you cannot see on, on LinkedIn. Because it on gives LinkedIn you the personal side. Business. Yeah. yeah. Like if somebody wanted to close you and like you don't talk about basketball too much on LinkedIn, but you talk about basketball on Twitter. So you're offering that personal side there. If I was somebody that wanted to like work with you, I go over to Twitter, learn about you, who you are as an individual and use that to approach you, right? So, so I think Twitter allows for that one-on-one -on -one conversation that's not so business focus as LinkedIn is. And a lot of companies are missing out on that. And at the end of the day, another topic that I want to talk about, which is kind of related, once you created the content and you have a backlog of content that you can show with your audience, that's when good things start to happen, right? Like if you scroll through my Twitter, there's five to seven tweets per day for 12 months. Right? Like you yeah. can actually become a fan of me. If you like my content, there's a lot of content for you to consume, right? Same thing for you, like on LinkedIn, you have three posts a day for like what, two, almost a year and a half or two years? No, nah, three posts a day is like- Or two posts uh, a day. Or, yeah, yeah. You, you have a it's, lot there. It's, it's from one to three, yeah, definitely. Uh, but look, there's also one thing that we can mention when it comes to Twitter. And it's, I don't think many people are utilizing that and it's searching for pain on Twitter. Right. Because people go on Twitter and <laughs> like uh, go directly to the company that, uh, that harmed them in a way. Yeah. So because there are, uh, that's why there are a lot of customer services over there for specific companies and those kind of things. And if you go and uh, see that you can help somebody based on that 
pain that they are having. Uh, you can connect with them, start building connection. And like when you see that it's time, you can offer your service or a product or whatever it is. Like this is something that's working. And this is, uh, and I, do, I don't see that many people doing it. I mean, I wrote about it like in 2018 and uh, it's still working very well. Right. Because I think people tend to forget how hard B2B sales are, right? Like how high touch relationship based are sales in B2B. Like if you're a marketer or, or a salesperson, I think Chris Walker was talking about this like a few days back. Like you cannot expect sales to happen right away from paid ads or content. Like if you have a sales cycle of six months, there's no way an agency comes in and closes revenue in two or three months because it's just not feasible. Your sales cycle is twice as long as that. So I think people still have that B2C mindset of if we just throw a bunch of ads there, we're going to sell, we're going to 10x our revenue. Right? Like That can happen when you sell shoes. Maybe you have a great creative or a great copywriter. And then uh, you, you... I lost you, I think. Can you hear me back? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know where you lost me at, but I was saying that people still have that mindset of B2C of if we have a great creative or a great copywriter, we can 10x our sales by tomorrow. And that just doesn't happen on B2B. Like it's a different type of sale that's much more highly personal, highly relationship based. And if you're not marketing and selling understand with that mindset, it's just very counterproductive. You're, you're really giving a bad impression of your company when you're being pushy and salesy and trying to get something tomorrow versus in three months from now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, I was talking about the, the website traffic for the funky marketing and I was like, I was actually surprised how this is going. I didn't know what to expect because really I don't share links. I sometimes post links in the, in the comments. In most cases, those are the links to, to this podcast. Sometimes are some of the articles, um, but they are on my profile. So in the feature section, and I'm talking about the website, about funky marketing, like persistently, and people are actually going there. So when I, when I uh, get deeper into analyzing the traffic for the last month, so like uh, the, the highest. Um, Any chance we could analyze it right now live? Any chance we could, I think you have a post there with like the analytics, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just a second. Let me let me get. I, I thought that was very interesting how you're creating organic search just from LinkedIn. Well, you have a very high uh, number of visitors coming from without paid ads or without like Google PPC. Um, yeah, let me. I thought that's like a great example of creating demand from your from your LinkedIn content. Allow me to share the screen. Yeah, cool. So I can go to analytics, but I think it's easier than I go uh, and just take a look at two, two screenshots that are on my profile. 
So basically, this is what happened last month. And actually, it's a bit lower traffic than what we have in the previous month. But it doesn't matter. Like, uh, what I'm liking is that we are constantly getting new users. And uh, what I'm disliking is uh, average session duration. But this is actually the time that it's enough for people to read what's on the website. They are not reading the articles. They are reading just one article that how to create a content marketing machine. And uh, because we weren't very active when it comes to writing new articles and posting new things. Uh, so when I take a look at it, like we have a thousand and fifty page views and over almost 60, 600 sessions per, uh, per month, which is really great. And uh, I just wanted to, let me just put this here, uh, to really show you the breakdown of the traffic. Uh, posted it somewhere, yeah, that's it. So uh, basically direct traffic is the highest one on the website. What does it tell me? It tells me that people already uh, know who we are. They know that funky marketing exists and a lot of them go directly to the website for some specific things. Either they, they see me posting about it, so they try to see what's funky marketing or they do something else, I don't know. But I'm sure it's not uh, some other traffic that you get directly when you start a website. This is coming from the team and from some other people, but it's uh, based on a brand. Also, I mean, social, most of them is, most of it is coming from LinkedIn, then Facebook and uh, a little bit from, from Twitter and Instagram. Uh, number of traffic that is coming from uh, organic search is, is going up because we, we have been in, uh, in the search for a, for a while. And also, like, I don't know if, we can chat about it later if you are seeing uh, some of it on on your website because like i'm adding links to funky marketing website and to your website on each post on uh, on youtube that we have over there in the in the description and also like referrals some of it is from the web summit i was uh, i was speaking at some of it is from zest when from time to time i post uh, some links and basically, basically that's it. When, when you talk about organic, do you think that's SEO based or do you think that's people who say, who have read a post and then look up funky marketing on Google? Yeah, I wanted to break that down too. Uh, very little of it is coming from the, from the SEO. Uh, that's, what because, I, that's what I figured. Yeah, uh, a lot of it is coming from uh, them searching for my name in the search because I can see it in the Google Search Console queries because they, they are typing Nemanja uh, Zhukovic and coming to the, to the website from, from the search. So this is actually what we were talking about for I don't know how many episodes. It's creating the, the personal brand and that's one side how it grows organic on LinkedIn. People know who you are they go on google search for your name and come to your website and convert read if they are 
convert if they're ready, read if they're not. So, yeah. Um, what do you think about the one minute average time uh, on, pay, on, on the website? Because uh, I think it's not bad. I, I don't know if it's great, but it's not bad because one minute gives you enough time to like really understand what, what you guys are doing. Uh, gives you enough time to go to the contact page. I don't know if you have like a regular contact or you have a Calendly contact. Um, but but one minute, I think it's pretty good. What, what do you think? It's, it is pretty good. I mean, it was one minute and 50 something, then one minute and 30 something. But um, it's pretty, it's enough because I'm still using Hotjar and I can see what they're doing on the website. So they're reading like, like using a mouse as a pencil and going line by line so i can see i can see how how this goes i mean somebody's coming to to the call with me and like actually scheduling a call and saying to me in the in the part when i'm saying explain like why do you want to have a call with me and like i'm that solopreneur from your contact us page so uh, i needed half an hour to see if we are fit um a, a good way to like increase time on page I, I think someone who does this really well is chris walker is embedding the videos from youtube on your uh website right so i remember i used to watch each refine lab video on the website of refine labs right instead of youtube so that would be like a time on page of like 60 minutes which is great for SEO and it's great as a, as a domain. So yeah, so something that, I mean, I'm not going to do it yet, but I think eventually we're going to do it is create a page for the podcast that we're running uh, B2B weekly and uh, my own podium stories podcast and embed that on the, on the website and that, that way to increase. Yeah. Like, I, I, I agree. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, that's, that's what was on my mind too. But before that, I still need to do some other adjustments like on a mobile version of the website and some other things. But that was definitely, definitely on my mind. Yeah. Is, is SEO a big thing for you? Is, this, is article writing something that you'd like to do that you haven't so far? Or is that just not a priority right now with LinkedIn going on? You want to double down there? Yeah, I mean, I've been writing articles my whole life. So uh, at least once, once a month or once in two weeks. And um, I'm, I'm just seeing like the bigger value of writing now posts on LinkedIn. And uh, from what I'm doing right now and we as a team, we are uh, looking at the posts of uh, of three of us and which which of them is performing well and just seeing the similar posts of the people from our network and uh, kind of uh, adding the links in a document on a certain topic so uh, in the next period of time we will use those links to actually create articles out of them to link people to link uh, posts and to link companies uh, in, in a single post and get really deep into, into the topic. And I think this is something that, uh, that will be like the, the next step when it comes to creating the content. Uh, something you do better than me 
uh, for sure is the analytic side of things. Because when, when I saw your post on LinkedIn, I was like, fine, what, what are mine? Like, I don't check anything in terms of analytics. Like, my idea is if I create great content and it's consistent, leads are going to come in. And they do. So, so far, I, I haven't had the chance to, like, set up the analytics like you have. Um, what's some advice that you would give me in terms of, like, tracking analytics, not, not of content performance, but from a website performance and, and Google Console? What, what would you share with me and with the audience of like the 80-20? What's the 80-20 that we should be checking out and how to set that up? I mean, I'm just following a few things. Uh, we talked about it in the, I don't know, two episodes ago when we talked about attribution models, I think. Um, so I'm just following the time people are spending on the website, how many pages they are visiting and the conversions on contact us page. What else can we measure is if we run like Facebook ads, we can measure uh, if people are scrolling to the page. We can measure that and uh, in that's geoanalytics. I mean, over there you can, you can measure uh, so many things, but I don't see the need right now to do it. Um, and uh, I'm looking, of course, how many people are visiting from which, um, from which source, from which medium, the, the website. There's just something that I got used to when I was like doing SEO for the companies and trying to get at least one new user per day on the website. So I, it got into my mindset. I mean, you have the app, you just go in once a day, just check. And uh, Google Search Console, Basically, it, uh, it gives me the overview of what people are typing in, in Google to reach out to the website. And if uh, those links that they are coming to on a website uh, are converting. So I can see the conversion rate. And if I see that uh, a lot of people are seeing the post and not coming to uh, on a page, so it means that maybe it needs a content upgrade or needs some changes. So uh, those are some things that, that I'm tracking over there. Nothing much, just like basics. Yeah, I, I wrote down this Saturday to like set up Google Search Console and tr try to get on your level. Because like right, right now, like I said, I'm not doing anything other than just creating the, great, the content as good as I can and being as consistent as we can. Um, what type of call to action do you have on the website? Do you have like a regular fill-in form with like name, uh, email, and yeah, a just just or? just two of them. One is like leave an email and subscribe to the newsletter on the yep. blog page, and uh, the other one is just embedded Calendly link. Got That's it. it. And and it's the form when we have like the amount of budget we have like. Uh, the link to the to the company website and uh like there's a question where i ask them to give me all the single details that they think it's important for the call yeah it blows my mind when companies don't have a currently on the contact us page i, I just think it's ridiculous because and it, it it looks great man like when you embedded calendly it really looks awesome yeah i i actually don't have it embedded because um, I mean, it's a long story, but the, 
designer that made, that made my website is my ex-girlfriend and like we don't talk anymore so i cannot ask her to do any changes um but i have the link to the calendly page and it just it's just mind-blowing because if you don't have a calendly page it looks it's like you're living in the 90s like you're asking them to like send an email then you have to send an email to like schedule a time just such a pain in the ass for the buyer when if they're there they're going to want to take a meeting. Just make it easy for them. Yeah, and you know what's, what's funny? Usually people who have like a form on the website with, and those like old school forms and everything, like schedule a coffee with us or whatever, usually they don't talk with people when they're going to respond and what's going to happen when they fill out the form. Like they don't prepare them. And you fill out the form and then you just wait and you have no idea what are you waiting for yeah, you, you're waiting to hear back from a company to give them money isn't that like fucking crazy to me like, i was reading a study the other day that if you take five minutes or less to respond to a lead there's like a 90 percent chance of booking a meeting if it takes 10 minutes it's like 80 percent. if it takes 12 hours it's like 70 percent. and if it takes more than 24 hours it's like 25 percent. so like why don't you just put it calendly and it's zero minutes I like you both have it. You can ask the questions on the Calendly page. It, it just, a, a lot of companies are doing things for themselves versus like, how can I make my client's life easy? If there's a question that yeah. has helped me build a business is how can I make my client's life as easy as possible? Like everything we do is to make your life as easy as possible from like the website, from the kickoff call, from share having a shared slack channel so you don't have to change workspaces from the, the services that we provide of content creation with just one hour of your time to create a month's worth of content like especially if you're dealing with this type of prospects if you're selling or marketing to very like executives or um c-suite individuals like th that's the biggest priority they care more about that stuff than budget people that come to us exactly they, they ask me more about like how much time is it going to take from me then how much money is it going to cost me? So like when, when you understand that, it just, I know it's a small detail to have the currently, but it's it just the sign of something else. Like your mindset has to be in B2B all about them versus about what you want or what's easy for you. Yeah. And um, by, by just having that mindset, I mean, in the last month, I optimized uh how do we start cooperation with the clients how do we start the, the relationship basically i send them a folder in g drive with like four or five documents some of them are like the steps they need to do daily some some of it are like is the questionnaire that they need to fill out so we can get to know them and this is the content that we are using when we start talk creating content for them sometimes we, we record it. It all depends what's more convenient for, for them. Uh, and basically, I give them the plan what's going to happen in the next three months. So in the first month, this is what's going to happen. In the second, this is going to happen. In the third month, this is what's going to happen. And uh, I tell them when we start, like in 10 days or in two weeks, we're going to start posting content we need that time to get to the i don't know to the right visuals to create the copy to come up with the content it, 
it depends if they have like the buyer persona or no, should we define that? So a lot of, a lot of things go into that, but I like to prepare them so they know what's, what's going to happen. Sometimes we even postpone the cooperation because they, they don't have time right now to, to fill that in. So we say, okay, let's go in a month. Um, just so I'm clear, you don't have a kickoff meeting where you like ask those questions in person. You send them a document to fill up. Um, we have basically just one meeting when they schedule a call. We set it up. That's how how uh, how long I need to to sell the services because they are coming. But, but that's before prepared. you sell them. So so that's before they sign. I mean after they sign. So after they sign for us, we have a kickoff meeting where we like dive deeper on the company, um, voice, tone, all, all that type of stuff and talk logistics and all that. So do yeah, you have a basic, or basically, do you send them a document? No, I send them, I send them a document because uh, I'm trying to uh, lower the number of meetings and the number of talks because they're all kinds of people. And uh, some of them are very, uh, how do you say, communicative. So they don't stop. Some of them, we, can, we cannot get anything out of them, but they can write it. So it all depends of, on who they are, if we need to do it or no. Basically, we don't even have like the monthly reporting calls with the clients. Because the communication is uh, going on and on, nonstop. They are seeing the content, they're giving us the feedback, like daily. I mean, uh, I'm getting emails from the clients like they're like cheerleaders uh, a lot of times because they're seeing the content. They're like seeing if we have figured it out how they are thinking or sometimes they get like, give me even phone call, uh, phone number. I want to call him and really explain to him how, how I'm thinking and how am I like um, seeing the life, the environment, my job and everything. So he can come up with, uh, with a better version of, of the content. Uh, I, I recommend that kickoff meeting. I, I think it, it's been effective for us because like when, and this is totally unsolicited advice, but like when, if I was to fill up a document, I would put it off until like I have time and I never have time versus knowing that in 20 minutes with a kickoff, you can ask me and you can do follow-up questions. I don't know, for, for us, it's been pretty good. Um, we record it and then we send it back. So we have a document, I can share it with you um, later or, or on a on a Yeah, uh, I've, been, I've been through that and I know the, the value of it. Basically, uh, I get deep in the, in the first call with them. And I see what are, what are the problems, what are some things. And uh, basically, I explain how the cooperation will go. And then I send the offer, but I already sold them when I, when I send the offer. Uh, they just um, decide if they're going to do the content, if we're going to do the content, are they going to do the advertising right now or no? And um, there is something I wanted to say, but I forgot about it. Okay, doesn't matter. No, I, I get it. It's just different approaches. If you get dive, dive deep in the beginning, maybe you don't need it. For us, we focus more on selling and then diving deep. 
I guess. Yeah, uh, I remember what I wanted to, to say to you. Uh, so I tell them that we start working when we got the documents and when they pay. So maybe that was fast forward the, the things. No idea, but uh, when I send the offer in the notes, it says we start working when you send us all the branding documents, uh, when you fill in the questionnaire, and when you, when you pay. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, I think we approached the onboarding a bit different, but I mean, I, I guess it's working for, for both of us. Um, we, we have a few more minutes. What, what do you think if we take any questions uh, from the audience or if you have anything else that you'd like to touch on, happy to, happy to cover that. Yeah, I mean, basically, I expected us to talk about anything else than this, what we talked about. That's right. what makes this B2B weekly great. Yeah, that, that, that tends to happen. Yeah, uh, I mean, so many things I have on my mind, but uh, those are all topics for the for the next episodes. Maybe if we, I don't know, Alexandra, Milena, or Nicola want to ask something. How come we only have like people from Serbia on the podcast? That's interesting. Because people yeah, and from Serbia are big B two B fans, B two B weekly. <laughs> yeah, there there is also one thing that I wanted to to share. So. Uh, we're live B2B weekly podcast is uh, is live on like you said five Google, platform, right? Uh, five platforms. Yeah, I deleted that tweet because uh, I got the notification that we're live on on Google, but the link is still not working. So mm. uh, we need to wait for that. But the one that I'm waiting for is uh, Apple Podcast. Yeah, that takes usually a bit, a bit longer. Yeah, and because on Apple Podcast we can get reviews, and I want to see what can we do with that. That would be like uh, like a ch challenge, and uh, we can we can see if we can get there. But we are getting views like thirty five on the podcast for for a week. That's not bad. You know what? What, what I think is crazy. People like don't understand like they value views very differently. So they would say 35 views is very, is few, right? It's not a lot, but they would give their left kidney to be on a conference with 35 people every single week, right? Like it's just crazy to me how when it's online, we undervalue views versus like understanding the 35 views, having a conference with 35 people every single week is amazing, right? Um, so it's it just interesting to, um, to see that. And like, when I tell that to the clients, I think a lot of times like it clicks and they really get it. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you, uh, think about it from other perspectives, so from two to five people have listened to the, each episode of, uh, audio version of the B2B, mm -hmm. uh, weekly podcast. Yeah. So uh, Alex, Alexander's asking about startups. Started uh the audio version we just started promoting it i think it's pretty much okay yeah. uh so we have a question from from alexandra and i don't really understand what is the question about alexandra maybe you can jump on the call and just uh ask or no 
2019 to 2020 at the end of. Uh, we're going to have to do research on that because I don't remember. Yeah, me neither. It's like, yeah, yeah, I get it that it was August. Yeah, we'll, we'll do research and answer that next episode because right now I, I don't remember what the topic was. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm doing so many things that I even having, I'm having trouble remembering what uh, are we talking about in this episode the very next week when I need to upload and come up with a headline. Right. So yeah, man. I need to go over the, over the podcast. So, um, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll touch on that next time. I'll, I'll write it down to, to get back on that. Uh, but Nemanja, like, like always a pleasure to have you. Um, it's, it's always great to talk with you every Wednesday. So I, I appreciate your time. Just like everyone listening, we, we really appreciate you taking the time on a Wednesday afternoon to be here and join us for the conversation. Yeah, same goes, same goes uh, from me, guys. Thanks for being here. And don't hesitate to, uh, to send us questions even in, when we are not live. Here, specific questions. I mean, we're here to, to answer that. So it's awesome, a pleasure. Bye. Uh, Nemanja, can you stay on the call real quick? Yeah. Couple of minutes. Actually, I'll send you a link. I'll close this and send you a link.